0: this is free talk live it's your show and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one it is the Wednesday edition as we kick off our number one it's in here with you and Wayne and Mark and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com all the features on the site are completely free so do enjoy those there on the house freetalklive.com well I woke up this morning and uh, normally I wake up at a you know right on the hour and my alarm clock is set to uh, to go uh, to turn on to the radio, not the beeping alarm.
1: Yeah, that stinks. That beeping alarm yeah. thing, not a lot of fun. No, the radio's just better in general. And uh,
0: so what did I hear? Well, I heard a maudlin tone in the announcer's voice, and immediately I could tell that somebody had died.
1: Yes, and somebody it important.
0: It wasn't long before uh, the the uh, dead man's name was revealed as President Gerald Ford. Or former president. For some reason, they refer to as uh, they refer to former presidents as president for the rest of their lives, even though they're not actually president anymore. And, and I knew what was uh, to be expected for the remainder of my listening time, because normally I just sort of lounge for a half an hour as I gain consciousness and just sort of listen to the radio for uh, for a half an hour in the mornings. And uh, it, it actually gave me incentive to get out of bed early this morning <laughs> because I just didn't want to listen. Uh, to just this maudlin, sentimental, uh, excessively sentimental
1: crap. So Gerald Ford, not one of your favorite presidents?
0: Uh, no, no president in recent history qualifies as a favorite president of mine. And it, what really bothers me about this. And it wasn't long ago that I guess Ronald Reagan was the most recent one before Ford to pass away. So it wasn't long ago that the news people had already gone through this. And of course, they have their pre-written stories because they know that the president's going to croak at some point. So they've already got the uh, they've got those the, the news stories ready to go out the door. Mm-hmm. They just put a few finishing touches on it, and boom, they've they've got it on the uh, on the air and in newsprint and all of that. And it just really bugs me uh, because the hero worship that you uh, that you encounter all over the place. I mean, it just... The news organizations don't say anything but good things about these presidents. They might maybe touch on a scandal or two or something like that, but for the most part, their coverage in these matters when a president dies focuses on, he was a great man. He was a good man. He was a good father, a good grandfather, a good... You know, on and on about what a great guy this man was. But really... The presidents in recent time, maybe they would be good guys, like to sit down and have a beer with, but they weren't good men as far as what they actually did. They presided over some of the greatest growths, uh, growths of government in recent history. They signed bills that, that approved bigger government, more government programs. And more government programs and bigger government means less freedom. These people aren't heroes. They weren't your friend. They're not even your family members. Why is it that uh, Americans have this obsession uh, with worshiping U.S. presidents? It's disgusting to me. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. That's one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 If you can help explain to me what this obsession is, this hero worship with American presidents.
2: You know, Gerald Ford, the good thing I must say about him was he only served about two years because he he filled in for Nixon when Nixon was ousted. So he didn't have a chance to do much damage, and he did veto about 66 bills. How many bills has President Bush vetoed in in the six years he's been president 65 less than that
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know i've been so i was so distracted by this i don't even know if we went around and introduced ourselves uh it's ian here with you tonight
1: and wayne and mark we Uh, did actually um okay i think that well the most uh, to me the most amazing thing about gerald ford is he was in fact never elected he was Mm. never elected either vice president or president um so i I like him for that reason he didn't belong in there and uh I think that the reason it seems obvious that the reason that uh, people uh, people like to have a figurehead, they like to have a person to uh you know pin uh, to you know they have a, like they have a face on the thing and and the president's the face of the United States government. Um and Yeah, I understand. Progressively, that. I understand you do. And progressively things have gone, you know, over time, um they've gotten more and more power, they've flexed their muscles more and more. I mean, now essentially what you have is a uh, a dictator. I mean, you have the White House uh saying to the, um, you know, to its different places that they can't print news stories. I mean, um, you know, things are, the, the, the amendments are getting uh, slowly whittled down, and as far as I'm concerned, pretty soon we'll just be electing electing our dictator. Okay,
0: that's fine, and we've certainly focused on that enough, but I really wanted to talk more about the hero worship uh, that people engage in when it comes to the president. It seems to be fed to some extent, by the news media, like, they, you know, the, the, the old question is, does the news media uh, essentially uh, create the news or do they just report on the news? Are they really are they reflecting what American people's values and wants are or are they creating what American people's values and, uh, and wants and desires are? And, and I think that can be something that can be argued. Maybe it's a bit of both. Uh, but nonetheless, this, uh, I mean, looking at ABC News dot com, they've got these columns on their site With different titles, like most popular stories of 2006, uh, celebrity interviews of 2006, of course, right at the top of the news, as though that's really important. But then Gerald Ford, I mean, he occupies a good one-fourth of the entire uh, column length. I mean, it's just their story after story about what a great man Gerald Ford was and people reflecting on his legacy. And it's just the same old crap with just a different guy. They did the same thing with Ronald Reagan. They did the same thing with Princess Diana overseas. I mean, it was just the most bizarre thing to me when she died and a bunch of people in the United States who don't even really have that sort of same connection to her, were all
1: upset and crying in the streets. It does. That's That, to me, was the most baffling thing I've ever seen, was the uh, Princess Di um, situation. I.
2: You know, people who are on television a lot, <clears throat> when you see their face on TV, even if you don't know them personally, people tend to feel like they know somebody personally, like they remember their family when they see them on television all the time. Right.
0: You know, that I understand. That's you know that's goes back to what we were talking about a few days ago about radio and how it's really personal. And when you're listening to the radio, you're listening to someone talking to you, even though they're really talking to everyone and no one at the same time or whoever else happens to be in the same room. Uh, but there's that personal connection that's made. It's the same the same way with television. But at least with most television stars, you could say that, for instance, James Brown uh, died. Hey! Yesterday – no, it was yesterday. Yeah, I guess it was Christmas Day was what it was. James Brown died uh, before President Ford, and at least James Brown produced a product for people. At least he uh, produced entertainment for people. He actually did something constructive with his, uh, with his life. He's worth remembering for the positive things that, uh, that he created. Presidents? Hmm. They don't create positive things. They create destruction of freedom. And and I'm sick and tired of hearing people just blather about how wonderful they were.
2: They weren't. You know, at the time it happened when when Ford became president, the country was much different back then. There was a lot more freedom in America. And and actually the government was reeling because of the Watergate scandal. Mm -hmm. And uh, the president didn't have that much power back then. They brought Ford in because he was an honorable guy. He was in the Senate for a long time. And they felt that the American people would embrace him because he was an upstanding guy compared to what else was out there.
0: I guess. I mean, you're comparing again, you're comparing cancers, essentially. You're co- yes. comparing
2: one thug to another. And, and at the time, the economy was in big trouble in the 70s because they had gone off the gold standard in 71, and we started having inflation. We had an oil crisis, actually two of them in the 70s, and... Uh, Ford was responsible for bringing in Paul Volcker to head the Fed at the time who raised interest rates. He did the, He did something that wasn't politically popular. At that time, a mortgage in the late 70s was up around 20 percent. Yeah, it was huge. Wow. It was huge. Yeah. Because they had to tighten the money supply a bit and get things back under control because inflation was so rampant in the 70s.
0: Well, maybe it's true that he was a little bit better than uh, his predecessor or, uh, or the, the, the person who followed him, but that doesn't justify the hero worship it doesn't justify the obsession uh, that uh, Americans appear to have over their presidents they uh, they exalt them they lift them up as though they're somebody who's who deserves this extra attention as though they're somebody who is so much more special than every other American the, the point of the American president's uh, presidency originally as I understood it was that a regular American would be the president of of america he wasn't to be worshipped he wasn't to be exalted uh, held up as a ruler or a king or anything like that
1: But did that. that ever happen what did it ever happen that it was just a regular guy yeah. i think in
0: the beginning they were no.
1: certainly more regular than um they than didn't they have as now. much power but i would not say um that that was true you're talking about the leaders from that time too and, and i don't think we should exalt them either more's on
0: the way i want to hear from you 800-259-9231 it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. It is the Wednesday edition, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. That is freetalklive.com, and those features include the bulletin board system. Over 140,000 posts await you, over 1,300 people interacting. It's all there, and it's a lot of fun. bbs.freetalklive.com will get you right to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections, and they do it in a whole new way. Saquel's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Talking about the death of... President Gerald Ford, and not in the same way that you've probably heard all over the radio and television today, which of course is just, I think maudlin has to be the best word for it, just excessively sentimental coverage about a man who, while he may have been better than some presidents, was still uh, the president of the United States, which inevitably in recent times certainly meant that he was passing laws and signing laws into effect that that increased the government's control over your life. Now, I wasn't alive for it, so I don't specifically know which laws they were, but I know that pretty much every president in the last hundred years has been a bad president in the, that way the thing
2: that got him in real trouble was that he pardoned tricky dick nixon and right. people got angry over it and that's why carter won in, in 76
1: yeah 2 years later Yeah. so they, their their memory was that long and right. uh carter probably the worst president we ever had from what i understand now I mean, what, what what makes you say that? that just um,
0: I, yeah, some people you know, would argue george bush is the worst some people would argue that bill clinton is the worst you know they might I mean, be able
1: to, they might be able to make it i don't i would like to argue with somebody that bill clinton is the worst president we've ever had <laughs> um I've just been told that so many times that I guess I
2: believe it. They've all been bad in different ways.
1: President Ford, who died Tuesday
0: night at the age of 93, will be remembered as a president with a great sense of humor. This is according to ABC News and a lot of integrity. ABC News anchors and correspondents said today on Good Morning America, anchor Charlie Gibson said he was also a transitional president. He transitioned this country from a time of great angst and anger. Watergate was the first time that the public realized... That public officials can lie to you. What? Really? Was it Watergate? (laughs) Is that when Americans uh, finally had that realization?
2: (laughs) What a surprise. Oh, boy. What about the Vietnam War, all the lies that were told?
1: Right, well this no, just that's when the American public figured out it was Watergate. Yes, that's when
0: they finally figured it out. This just shows how they just gloss over everything. Whenever it comes to a president who dies, oh he's transitional period president. He helped the he helped the country get uh, get away from its angst over Richard Nixon. He's such a great man. Ford was appointed vice president when Spiro Agnew resigned after he pleaded no contest to tax evasion, then assumed the office of president where Richard Nixon resigned in disgrace after the Watergate scandal. People distrusted Washington, and Jerry Ford came in as a very decent man, said Gibson. Ford angered the public, however, when he pardoned former President Nixon. Uh, ABC News' Sam Donaldson said his approval ratings plummeted, said Donaldson, and some people thought that there was a deal. Ford, however, went before Congress to defend his decision. Later, however, he was presented with the Profiles in Courage Award at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library in May of 2001 for his pardon of Nixon. So apparently it was really courageous of him to uh, pardon a convicted president. Was he convicted of anything, or was he just ousted from office?
2: They were going to impeach him, and so Nixon resigned, Mm. which uh, I think a few people probably thought Clinton was going to when they were going to impeach him, but... Clinton held on, but but uh, at the time, in the 70s, it was a little bit different time, and Nixon did resign knowing that there were enough votes in the Senate to impeach him. He didn't want to uh, be removed from office, so he just resigned. I see.
0: It was it's that way he could hold on to a little bit of his legacy that sort of thing. Well,
2: he dignity, might as well go <laughs> dignity too. You don't want to be a jailbird as yeah. a former president. That would be awful.
1: You don't want to be the first president who was who was successfully impeached, or I don't know exactly how the terminology works. Apparently, there's been impeachments, but not
2: um, they haven't been removed from office as a result of those impeachments, or something like that. But Nixon uh, actually became very very ill after leaving office and almost died. Really, hey. why? He had a uh, phlebitis. He had he had some serious medical issues that were probably prompted or, or brought on by stress, mm-hmm. the stress of resigning and going through all that shame, and uh, he suffered a lot. I, and I think that Good. was probably he deserved it. <laughs> yeah, bad he was bad karma. You're right. And he he was dishonest. And he was uh, he, as Most it turned out, he wasn't what he what he purported to be when he ran for office
0: most of these presidents don't get what they deserve unfortunately richard norton smith said it was an amazing moment he's an abc news consultant and former director of the ford presidential library so really somebody who worships this man gerald ford lived long enough to see a sea change take place it took a long time to see that as a necessary and courageous act that is the pardoning of richard nixon Uh, Ford was an exceptional athlete, even receiving offers from professional football teams, which he turned down to go to law school. Quote, his health was not bad until the last year or so, said Smith. In some ways, I think he felt guilty in his early career in Congress. He was on the road so much, but I think he made up for that. Then they go on to talk about his family life and how he loved his wife. It was a wonderful love story, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, a lot of Americans die every single day. And they loved their wives and husbands, and they did things in their lives that made a difference in other people's lives. Maybe it was creating a business, mm-hmm. start uh, creating a product,
2: and, and putting that on the marketplace that helped people do something. For instance, you're right, but they're not famous. That's that's our society. Even even if when Rosie O'Donnell dies someday, they'll do the same thing with her, and same with Roseanne Barr, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people in the media.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a um, there's a singularity to the presidential, you know, the, the office of president. There's only one pres- there's only one president there've only been forty four of them mm-hmm. um up to this point and so
0: when was the last time a vice president died and we got this kind of coverage? when was the last <laughs> time a vice president died I don't even know, but they're not as famous
1: right yeah us, vice presidents are really you know don't count for much uh um was it mondale Carter's Agnew was um nixon's uh Ford. Ford had somebody who was obviously not elected either. He mm-hmm. wasn't elected, so uh, obviously theirs weren't either. I I, I couldn't tell you. I, I can't remember a. They're a pretty vice singular too. I mean, vice
0: presidents are singular as well. Why singular don't they get the same respect? Generally
1: singular
2: failures. Yeah, but, but <laughs> vice presidents uh, operate behind the scenes a bit more than the president does. Right. It's true. But again, it, it's 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 uh, fame worship more than anything.
0: That's really what it is, and we have this. Uh, it, it, it's been said that politics is essentially the Hollywood for ugly people,
1: right? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard that. I don't know. I, I don't know how much I believe that entirely. And please make them Hollywood. I mean, at least the Hollywood actors. You just have to listen to them. You have to do what the uh, the politicians mm. say, and that's what just. Makes me so darn well, angry. Well, I guess the
0: point of that statement is that they're worshipped in the same way as Hollywood stars, except they're not worshipped for their beauty or their talents. They're worshipped simply because they're politicians.
2: But they have power. And they have power. They have power. Right. Uh,
0: and I think that's what some of these news people really salivate over, these news people that are just drooling over Gerald Ford and whoever it is, whoever the next dead politician is going to be. They salivate over that power. It's, it's exciting uh, to journalists, the power.
2: I I think it's an interesting parallel between uh, Hollywood actors and politicians. There's so many similarities.
0: What really found, uh, what I found was quite a parallel was, I guess, at one point during George Bush's swearing in, I, I don't know if it was the 2004 or the 2001, but the commentators were calling it almost like it was some sort of a Hollywood gala, talking about oh, doesn't the president's wife look ravishing in her outfit today? And that's all it was. It was just total worship of these personalities who are essentially thugs with suits on. More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, including updates. You get signed up, we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. Like everything else at freetalklive.com, it is completely free. That's updates dot freetalklive dot com and register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum February twenty third through the twenty fifth. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. That's freestateproject.org dot org slash liberty forum to get signed up and to learn more. That is freestateproject.org dot org slash liberty forum. As uh, we turn to Downsize DC. And uh, our friend Jim Babka, he wrote a, I thought, what was a pretty good email, and so I wanted to share it with you. Since we're talking about government in that Gerald Ford just died, and we're getting a bunch of maudlin news coverage about how wonderful of a man he was when, in fact, He's just another president, which means he passed a bunch of big government legislation. And I think, as you said, somebody emailed you a moment ago, Mark, uh, with a comment on Ford. Did you want to share that?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but he said that the worst thing that, um, that Gerald Ford did was uh, restore people's faith in government. That's worse than anything Nixon could have ever done.
0: It wasn't necessarily because he was such a great guy. It was just that he wasn't as bad as Nixon, and so people thought that uh, everything was o- going to be okay, I guess, right?
2: It's the law of contrast.
0: Exactly. It looked like he looked like uh, everything was roses in comparison. I suppose. Uh, downsize DC co-founder Harry Brown used to say, "Ladies and gentlemen, you know it and I know it. Government doesn't work." In some ways, I was prone to think that he overstated this uh, his point. Says Jim Babka. But then I look at the news from a single week. Evidence also abounds for the DC downsizer principle that big government harms you, hurts your family, injures your neighbor, damages your industry, and destroys your community. It even kills innocent people. Yes, big government fails, just like Harry Brown said, but it's actually much worse than that. Big government is all too often the very cause of the pain we're experiencing. The very pains from which politicians are promising to rescue us. Now, if we actually did have a president worth exalting and and uh, hero-worshipping, he would be a president who presided over the downsizing of government. He would be a president who vetoed all of the uh, big government bills that were put in front of his desk. He would be a president who signed bills that gutted the size of the federal government, that decimated these alphabet agencies that we have uh, currently in Washington, D.C. today. I wouldn't mind reflecting on how positive of an influence that that man had on, or woman, had on the country. But we haven't had one of those presidents in recent history.
2: Well, Reagan tried. Reagan actually did cut some programs and, and set out to do that, but he had too many people around him who were neoconservatives, and he also had a Democratic Congress at the time, so he was swimming uphill.
0: Well, you, I hear people make excuses for Reagan, uh, but according to what Harry Brown wrote a few years ago, he presided over one of the largest increases in government in history, something like a 69% increase over the 8 years that he was president. So,
1: he didn't try real hard. Well, um, he could is, have vetoed more bills. Wayne is correct that the, it was a Democratic House and a Democratic Congress during the entire right, but they need to, Hold on, they wait, 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 let me finish. Um the, um that, you know, the, during the entirety, and I would agree with you that he could have uh, vetoed these things, but um, Reagan's big soft spot was, uh, just like all the Republicans, that half of the government, and it really is half of the government, that is the military, mm. the, the, the bureaucrats that carry guns, Republicans like the bureaucrats that carry guns, the Democrats like the bureaucrats that don't, and that's how it goes, and when you look at the spending um, on the federal level, you'll find out that
2: half of it goes to the military. Yeah. At least half, because there's so you, also a lot of off-book stuff, too.
1: So you get the Democrats in at one point, and they grow the one half, and then the Republicans get in, and they grow the other half.
2: Well, and you say blue, the, blue,
0: you say the Democrats goes. don't like the ones with guns, but that's not true. They, they need their enforcers just like anyone I'm else. Just the ones, they like the
2: ones with guns without uniforms.
0: There you go. uh, So anyway, back to uh, DownsizedDC.org. Big government permeates nearly every area of our lives. So like a bad crime scene, point to a societal problem and you'll frequently find one or more big government programs fingerprints all over it. And here's the worst part. Big government grows bigger as a result of its own failures. In the private sector, failure to serve your market receives the just compensation of going out of business. Try naming the last five government programs that were closed. Now, those merged with other government agencies don't count. Closed. None. Failure is a key to success in the world of big government. A review of some of the week's news illustrates the point that big government failure is a thriving and growing business. The war on drugs, for instance. The Marijuana Policy Project and the economics blog Marginal Revolution are both reporting that a public policy ana- uh, analyst relying entirely on government statistics can demonstrate that marijuana is our nation's largest cash crop, as we reported last week. Bigger than coin, uh, corn rather and soybeans combined. How is this possible? Isn't there a war on drugs? Well, of course there is, and that explains why it's so profitable. Freshmen in business school know that higher risk... ...means higher potential reward, and black markets create insane profits. I think we've seen estimates of around 3,000% markups on these products. I've heard higher than that, but, you know, whatever. And so long as you... It's so
1: high it doesn't even
0: matter. So long as you don't get caught, you won't have to pay taxes, fill out complicated forms, deal with OSHA inspectors, obtain permits, and worry about any other employment laws. The government prisons contain more than 800,000 non-violent drug offenders, including folks merely using marijuana for serious medical conditions... The cost of the war on drugs is enormous. This war's been used to trash the Bill of Rights, illegally take people's stuff, and kill innocent people in no knock raids or burn down their house like we uh, talked about last night, although that wasn't a drug raid, it was a a raid for another reason. Yet marijuana is the largest cash crop in America. If we ever fall behind on our international competitors in producing corn and beans, now we know how to turn up their production, just make them illegal. <laughs> Actually, that might not necessarily increase production. It will just increase the price, and there probably wouldn't be as big of a demand for corn and beans, considering you don't alter your consciousness. But nonetheless, his point remains. Big government, by the way, also issues a plan to fight illegal immigration. The Keystone? Well, the Real ID Act, of course. Here's a plan to make us receive big government's mark if we want to engage in commerce. Get a job, cash a check, open an account, buy cigarettes, alcohol, or a gun. We must also have the federal Leviathan's mark if we want to board a train, a plane, or drive an automobile. Without your papers, you will essentially be a stranded non-person, unable to travel from point A to point B. Oh, and talk about invasion of privacy and identity theft. These Real ID cards will be used to track your every movement. With Radio Frequency Identification Technology, RFID, these RFID chips are being inserted uh, inserted in nearly everything. And now we learn that a British man was able to clone an RFID signal from an e-passport in just five minutes. He thought it would take him an hour. In fact, Wayne, I think you brought us that story a couple weeks ago. Of course, the failure of this program only means that more money will be needed. Additional privacy measures must be implemented on top of this terrible program. But no thought is given to the obvious, admitting defeat and closing down the Real ID Act. The government doesn't work that way. Government never
2: admits that it was wrong. And if it does, its plan is to, well, we'll we'll get it right this time. And as we reported last week, there are two senators who are threatening to introduce a bill that would repeal the Real ID Act, but for the wrong reasons. They're, they're proposed, for political reasons. Well, yes, to, to grandstand and to show that they're champions of privacy because there are a few little window-dressing regulations that they don't like when the reality is it's a bad bill, it ruins our privacy, it uh, it tracks us like dogs, it was passed uh, really improperly, it was snuck in uh, under under the, uh, the radar, no one knew about it, it really until was. it was. It was just sleazy and slimy, and it should be repealed for that reason
0: alone. It's so amusing when the politicians start playing politics with the laws... Like, for instance, uh, George Bush talking about how he we, he's he's willing to sign the minimum wage increase, uh, the federal minimum wage increase of $2 an hour, so long as the Congress will give uh, a business, he's got some business packages that he wants to pass that's going to help American business people. As he slaps them in the face, whatever his provisions are for business people, he's slapping them in the face with a minimum wage, which is definitely not going to help business people, and it's certainly not going to help low-wage workers who will end up losing their jobs. But... They're just playing politics. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, and a big government gets bigger as a result. We'll come back with more from DownsizedDC.org and your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. Toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. You take control of the airwaves. It is your show, Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. You'll find them completely free. And we do ask, though, that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff from us, like... Free Talk Live branded merchandise. The Free Talk Live hats that we have. We've got Free Talk Live t-shirts and more, including DVD Classic archive sets, a free marketeer flag, all there for you at store.freetalklive.com. So shop Free Talk Live store at store.freetalklive.com. As we return to DownsizedDC.org and Jim Babka with a few thoughts about just how government tends to, well, it just grows itself. It, It uses its own failures As an excuse to expand. And whenever government... And he made the point last segment that when a government program fails, they get a bigger budget the next year. Every time. Whereas when a business fails, for instance, if your profits start dropping off, uh, customers aren't coming through the door as often... There's a reason for that. It's because you aren't satisfying them. Your product is shoddy. Your service is lousy. Whatever the reason is, it can be corrected. Mm -hmm. But if you keep screwing up, you're going to go out of business because businesses don't have an unlimited pot of cash to keep delving into to keep their doors open. Mm -hmm. Unlike government, whenever government screws up and needs more money, they just go and take it from you. As Jim Babka continues, he says, Big government must have many fingers at the ends of many arms to plug the abundance of holes it finds in the dikes that it builds. Well, I have but one finger for big government. I wish they'd Mm -hmm. kill their real ID plan and leave me alone. Then he says, Professor Stephen Bainbridge reports on an admission by the Federal Election Commission that the road to the White House is now going to cost $500 million per major party. That's right, a billion dollars will be spent on the Republican and Democratic campaigns. That's amazing. How is this possible? I thought John McCain solved this problem for us. I sat in the Supreme Court and listened as the McCain-Feingold bill was reviewed and heard McCain's defenders whine about how money was corrupting. That line was bull then, and it still is. Money's required for speech. The incumbents know that it costs money to buy advertising time, and they know that advertising is required to get the media to take you seriously. And they know that the more the challenger spends, the more the incumbent has to spend to protect his seat. And the more the incumbent spends, the more likely the incumbent is to lose. Incumbents' reform plans, while diabolical, are genius. They portray themselves as caped crusaders out to protect us from corruption. And with the aid of the media, the public laps it up. Yet we know from 30 years of experience that reforms on money and politics haven't worked. We have more reform than ever. And yet corruption was the second major issue with voters this election. Amongst other things, we had two congressmen plead guilty to selling votes, and two others who, as I write this, are going through the criminal justice process. So that failed. But the failure is even more profound. Dark horse candidates are dropping out of the race for president in droves, and the election is still nearly two years away. They keep muttering things about David and Goliath. Still standing as a Goliath named John McCain saying, campaign finance reform has been very, very good to me. So what can we expect next? Well, incoming Speaker Nancy Pelosi has already told the press that the very first thing on the new congressional agenda will be lobbying reform. Yes, they've shut down your choice at the ballot box. Now they're going to go after favorite grassroots, uh, grassroots groups. Congress will start with the smaller non-membership groups like downsizedc.org. They're going to burden us with expensive compliance requirements, and they'll force us to disclose our plans for future initiatives. I wish I could play competitive poker that way. But don't worry, say the incumbents, this time the program will actually do what we promise, and if not, we'll pass another reform. <laughs> In fact, we had Jim on recently to talk about this new plan by uh, Nancy Pelosi and the rest of Congress to regulate organizations like downsizeddc.org and and essentially as I recall, the one of the regulations is that if they are dealing with 500 essentially members, people on their mailing list, for instance, if you've got over 500 people, then you become subject to these um, reforms that they're going to be creating. You're going to have to um, be subject to all sorts of reporting requirements that you aren't currently subject to, and that means that instead of spending time on doing your outreach or doing your mission, whatever it is that your grassroots organization does, you're going to be spending time filling out government paperwork. And of course, if you're required to fill out certain government paperwork and you don't fill it out in the appropriate manner, then there's going to be punishments for that.
2: You will go to zakula.
0: Right. Well, in in any sort of uh, government, whenever there's government requirements, if you don't have that paperwork filed by a certain date, they like to charge you on a daily basis for not having it filed at that point.
1: You know, it's, let alone if it's correct. It's or not. so funny that you know all their rules and everything. They and the only way they can enforce them is fines, 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 fines. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the intention, of course, is to bankrupt these
0: organizations, either bankrupt them uh, bankrupt them by s- uh, just sucking off all of their time that they normally would be using to run their organizations, yep. or bankrupt them by destroying their cash flow. And they, they're they tired of hearing from you. They're tired of hearing from people that are concerned with way, the way government is operating. Yeah, and don't... that's why they're stepping in the way of these organizations like Downsize DC. They pretty, don't want to hear that.
2: It's very arrogant. Extremely. And does it it anger you? I think we should all start writing to them even more. It
0: definitely angers me, and I know Downsized DC has a campaign to to do exactly that at DownsizedDC.org. Well, even failure in Iraq is rewarded with increases. We've already seen with the war on drugs, the war on illegal immigration, the war on corruption, that when a government program fails to live up to its promise, and virtually all of them fail... That paradoxically, the program expands. Last Wednesday, the Washington Post reported that George W. Bush admitted for the very first time, and after many adamant proclamations to the contrary, that we're, quote, not winning in Iraq. Perhaps he's ready to cut and run. Well, not quite. The Democratic Party made big gains in the recent elections. I think it's safe to say they didn't do it because of their policy proposals. Nor was it because of the public's love and appreciation. They defeated a president who had lied us into a war that's now going quite badly. They defeated a party bogged down by scandal. They won because they weren't Republicans. They won because they offered the American people the only hope possible to end the war in Iraq. How are they responding? They're applauding the president as he uh, begins his campaign for more troops in Iraq. In 2004, John Kerry campaigned for president. He did such a poor job of communicating his positions that it was unclear to most Americans that his proposal on Iraq was to send more troops. Yeah. He lost to the
1: guy who said that more troops weren't necessary. I think he was was very effective um, in uh, communicating his uh, position because he didn't want people to know that his solution was to send more troops. I see. So you're saying he was uh, effective
0: in obfuscating his position.
1: Absolutely. They wanted, um, you know, the the people that voted for him largely wanted um, Iraq, uh, wanted to be out of Iraq. Right. Now, the vast majority of people want to be out of Iraq, but unfortunately we don't have a presidential election going on. Now, when it's clear that this government
0: program is failing, that is, the war in Iraq, the Washington Post is reporting that the guy who beat Kerry is floating trial balloons all over the place for Kerry's proposal. Randolph Bourne, an opponent of World War One, wrote, War is the health of the state. And Bourne was on to something. War is a metaphor for every big government program. So, given the pattern, does it really surprise you that our fearless leaders are proposing more troops? We shouldn't be the least bit surprised. Failure in government is routinely rewarded with more government. That's what. Yeah, that's what it's, that's what it's done. Government fails, and then they get more money. And then there are unintended consequences. When bad things happen, like when programs don't work, FEMA's rescue comes to mind as I write this sentence. We're told about unintended consequences, like no one saw this coming. Well, big government has so many unintended consequences that those consequences are, well, predictable. Big government hurts. Not content to inflict mild amounts of pain on its victims, big government expands. That's why we must downsize D.C. and break the cycle. And that's why we show up to work here every day. And that's why we support DownsizedDC.org here on Free Talk Live. And we like having them on the show and talking about what they're doing because they're one of the more, I think, active and effective uh, pro-li- uh, pro-liberty organizations on a national scale.
1: I would, and- too. Um, you know, I don't... I don't have much hope for uh, national politics. I think mm-hmm. that the only way that we're going to fix national politics is the Free State Project. Um, but, you know, Downsize DC seems to have the best idea going. So I, I'm, I'm with them. I do everything. I send, you know, every time they send me an email and ask me to, to action item, I always, uh, you know, click on and, and uh, sign and send a little note to my Congress critter.
0: Wayne, are you on the uh, Downsize DC email dispatch?
2: I'm not no but I plan on getting on this year.
0: It's uh it's definitely something worth doing. It doesn't take a lot of time to get active with them. You just go, you sign up, um you could probably sign up during one of the breaks. It's so fast. Uh you get signed up for a free account, you go in there whenever there's an action item that interests you and if you're a liberty-minded person, probably all of them will. Uh and then you just log in. It's an instant thing, especially if you save a cookie. You're boom, you're in there. You click a button. You can you can customize the message to your representatives that they send or you can just send the default one and uh, it takes you literally seconds to get in contact with your representatives. Of course, if you're like me and you um, used to live in another state besides New Hampshire and have ever tried to uh, contact one of your representatives, you know how difficult it can be. You know how depressing it can be when you pick up your phone and all you get is some aide who promises he's going to pass on the message to the representative. Of course, it's not that way here in New Hampshire. You actually get to talk to the individual that you're looking to speak with. So it it really makes a difference up here, I think. What they're doing. Anyway, great organization, DownsizedDC.org. More on the way. Coming up, the real deficit. Turns out it's a little bit larger than the government has told us. We'll explain. On the way, Hour two's coming up. It's your show, Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off hour number two of the Wednesday edition. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet eight toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Coming up this hour, an email from somebody, subject line, you guys are full of s. <laughs> well, uh, we'll give that to you a little bit later on. Yeah, well, they're probably right. But first, uh, to Wayne and uh, the real deficit of the United States of America. What uh, first of all, before we get into it, let's define what deficit is for uh, for those who may not be aware.
2: Well, deficit is when you basically spend more than you take in.
0: So they've got X amount of dollars coming in from taxes the IRS's job is to get a bunch of people to pay their taxes and all that and that's what the uh, that's the money coming in and you're saying the government spends above that so whatever is above x is the deficit correct
2: correct
1: okay now that should be differentiated from the national
2: debt yes well if, if there is a deficit that that is added to the national debt for example uh this year they project that the national the deficit for 2006 if you probably heard it in the media, was going to be $248.2 billion, which is actually lower than last year.
1: Right, $250 billion, basically, dollars. Um, and now that deficit gets added to the national debt, is that correct? Like yes. So, so, and, then, um, and then interest gets compiled on top of that, and that um, sort of, it's it's every year's deficit added up, um, and then the amount of interest that's, uh, you know, that, that accrues, because obviously you don't borrow money for free, um, and then less anything that we managed to like Clinton had a surplus, right? supposedly. Um, that, so that,
2: that's the interesting fly in the ointment guys. Okay. Uh, the deficit the the, the uh, deficit is just like a big snowball. But every year they, they've been running a deficit, and what you hear in the news media about the amount of that deficit, whether it's the Clinton administration or the Bush administration, is based on a cash accrual basis, which means all the money they take in from Social Security taxes, et cetera, et cetera, are are counted as revenue, and then what they spend is counted as expenses, and that's how they come to that two hundred and forty-two billion dollars, or two hundred forty-eight point two, rather. But so wait, so the, so um so the money coming in from Social Security
0: is um, it's counted against the,
2: the what, total uh,
0: deficit? Spending.
2: What they're spending. But here, here's here's the problem with that, is that um, a lot of that money is earmarked to be spent later on, so some of that money coming in has to be paid towards future liabilities. So okay. a- according to a report by John Williams, who's an independent economist, he publishes a website called Shadow Government Statistics, or shadowstats.com, mm-hmm. the real deficit per year is around $3.5 when you consider the what three point five trillion dollars when you consider the future liabilities that we have to pay or or the government has to pay to future retirees and future benefit recipients so well that that's that's a huge
1: jump from two hundred and fifty billion to three trillion
2: yes three point five trillion now, per year is what the Bush administration is currently running uh,
1: that seems that seems a little weird um now, how could the how can you go from 250 billion to 3.5 trillion without a whole bunch of lies being told? Are you saying that the money that comes in from Social Security? I've got to understand this. I do not understand what you've said. The money that comes in from Social Security um, versus that it, you should you take that in, and um, that's included in the uh, in the the pile of money that they get and then they uh, subtract all the other stuff they get, and they they come up with this, um, th- that they owe, and they come up with this number 250, um, 250 billion. Now, when they, you th- you say that they should also subtract um, from that the amount of money that they'll owe in the future on um, Social Security payments. Is that correct? Correct.
2: Up until the 80s, they, now, the government used to to like separate a... the two uh, sources of funds. They had to actually separate the Social Security money from the money, for current expenses, but they passed a law in the 80s where they could just combine it all and spend the Social Security money, and that's mm-hmm. one reason why we're in so much trouble today financially. But actually, I can quote him. Uh, he says, the $248 billion federal budget deficit figure results from what basically amounts to cash flow analysis. Uh, on a cash basis, the Treasury takes all the tax revenue, including Social Security taxes, as current income. The trick is that the Treasury essentially steals the money that comes in on Social Security taxes without accounting for any offsetting Social Security liability. When you're running your accounting that way, the Treasury gets to report a federal budget deficit that's dramatically lower than what it is in reality. So, can you um, can you boil this, boil this down?
0: Because like Mark, I'm having a little bit of trouble uh, trouble following it. You're saying, what exactly? Uh, There's a bunch of money coming in for Social Security, but isn't that spent right away to the
2: beneficiaries? That's not put in a lockbox. That's spent immediately. Yes, but they're taking in more money right now than they need to pay out to recipients. Are they? Yes, they are. So there's
0: essentially a surplus of Social Security money coming in.
2: Yes, and that could be piling up in an account. um, For Social Security people. Yeah, and and earning interest. And it's not. It's being spent as soon as it comes in. And so, this, and that's why the real deficit is actually some somewhere in the forty to fifty trillion dollars when you consider the future future liabilities the future money they have to spend on social security on Medicare, on Medicaid and all these things that are going to be coming up for the baby boom generation who's going to be retiring in the next ten years but that's a, it seems a, it's
1: a little it seems like a, it's a little unfair because you're not considering the um future you're considering the future liabilities you're not considering the future um revenue that you're going to get um when you when you do that because obviously ex- I'm sorry, um, the, the future revenue, we're, they're going to get tax money from us. We're Americans are not going to stop paying taxes um, next year as much as I would like to see that happen. Um, so they've got this future revenue that's going to come in. Now I, I would agree with you that, in fact, um, Social Security has a problem, which is America's getting older quick. Um, There's very few people. What we need is we need to let a whole bunch of uh, immigrants come in so that, you know, nice young people come in so that they can support our old white people because we're getting a bunch of them. But I I I, this guy's math bothers me a little bit. Um,
2: Well, there's actually a report that's published once a year called the Financial Report of the United States. It's a little known report. Congress has mandated that the Treasury Department publishes each year. And what they do is they use a GAAP accounting basis rather than a cash accrual basis, and that's where the numbers come from. This this fellow John Williams actually takes a lot of the numbers the government publishes, and extrapolates them and figures out what's really going on. He does this with with the inflation rate as well, and many other things, including M3. He reconstructs. So is he the guy M3. That
0: he's the guy that reconstructed M3 to show that it's at about ten percent. Uh, yes, he's inflation? one of the people.
2: There's been several economists uh, independently who have done this now.
0: So okay. So the U.S. government spends more than it takes in, and that's the deficit. So if it takes in $2.7 trillion and spends $2.9 trillion, you've got a $200 billion deficit. But you're saying that there's a $3 trillion deficit, but they're not taking in $3 trillion, $3.5 trillion. They're not taking in $3 trillion in Social Security payments. How is it exactly that, that, uh, that you get that number? Well, it's it's not just
2: Social Security. I mean, there's what there's,
0: else? What other factors are
2: here? Uh, I know that the fight is it the FICA? Is that what they call it? That's the, just the federal tax. Okay. The federal taxes so. and and the uh, any of the other federal taxes, gasoline taxes, all those go towards uh, revenue as well. But the, there's a lot of money being collected for Social Security because don't forget, if you work for somebody, you're paying 15%. It's true. Plus your employer's paying 15% on top of you. No, no so it's seven and a half and seven and a half. I thought it's 15%
1: total.
0: total. yes. Yes. Yeah. Seven and a half from me, and then seven and a half from the employer. Of course, it's all from the employer, but it totals fifteen percent per
1: per employee. And it's all and it's all money that the employee would make because that's true. Clearly, the employer's paying out, you know, hundred, you know, hundred and
2: seven. So that's
0: a, that's going to be a significant number coming in, but I can't imagine it would be three trillion dollars from all the Americans working.
2: Well, it's just like if you if you had a, an apartment building, let's say, and you collected all these rents and some of the money had to go towards taxes and insurance, but you were just spending the money. Let's just say you you had just enough to meet all your expenses. Mm -hmm. At some point, the insurance and tax bill is going to come, and you're not going to have the money. But you are going to have future –
1: every month, you're going to get rent. And, I mean, at some point, the roof's going to fail, but um, I don't know if if it's fair to to show the deficit uh, of my spending in a given month – by saying, well, at some point the roof is going to fail. At some point, um, the insurance is going to come due. At some, you know, just to show all the future um, liabilities on top of what I've just received this one particular month. Uh, I mean, yes, I will have to pay those things absolutely, and if I don't sock money away for those things, I'm going to be in big trouble when it comes time and and it comes due. But I think that. I don't know three trillion dollars. I mean, I, I think he might be overstating his case and making it look like a, a little bit ludicrous.
2: I don't have all the numbers in front of me to break it How
3: down. How could
1: you? How could anybody possibly have? I mean, we're already—I know the national debt's eight billion dollars or something like no, that. No, eight, eight trillion. Eight trillion. trillion. I'm sorry, eight trillion dollars. Excuse me. It's a big difference there. <laughs> as of uh, December the 26th, that's eight point six one five. Our trillion. number's eight hundred
0: two five nine ninety two thirty one. Coming up a TSA health story and more. Your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and all the features on this are totally free, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both for you for free
1: at freetalklive.com. Do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at kidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. akidsjourney.com. 800 259 is our number. Now, you guys were, uh, I guess,
0: discussing this whole de- deficit issue more during the break, and I know you wanted to jump back into it, but we've got Sam on the line first in Texas on the Amplifier line. Hello, Sam.
4: Hey, guys. I've, uh, I'll have to call in about Amsterdam another night. I've, this has been something I've thought about for a while, and I'm wondering what can I do? I, to me, I see the currency collapse as kind of a imminent thing. It's just a matter of time before, uh, you know, the house of cards kind of comes crashing down. Okay. So if uh, I want to try and avoid that, is gold a good way to do that? And how, you know, if there's any recommendations or learnings that, uh, is it Wayne that's on?
2: Yes, there are a lot of really good financial newsletters you can subscribe to, for one. And a lot of financial advisors that I know are actually uh, directing their clients to actually put some of their assets into alternative currencies, like like the euro or the Swiss franc uh, to okay. invest in foreign equities rather than dollar denominated assets. and many are saying that you should have at least five to ten percent of your portfolio in precious me- physical precious metals
0: like actually okay. in your possession precious yes. metals?
2: Yes, allocated precious metals as opposed to there there is a, a, a exchange traded fund on the exchange for gold and for silver. But that's not allocated, so they could sell. Theoretically, they could sell ten times more uh, silver than what is in existence, and there could be a short squeeze at some point. So, yeah, they,
4: and I in an emergency situation, what are my odds of really getting at that physical gold if it's
2: exactly not they, they could just somewhere. pay you off in, in U.S. dollars, which could be worthless the way Perfect. they're going. Right. So you you want to diversify right. enough so that if it doesn't happen, you're okay, but if it does happen, you have some a way to feed your family. And yourself.
0: Okay. Any other I thoughts, guess,
4: Sam? Uh, it's just, I, I think it's you know something that's definitely people should watch out for. I talked to a lady uh, on a plane that was from Russia, and her parents went through the currency collapse over there. And at the start of it, they had enough in their savings to buy a car, mm-hmm. and then it went down to enough to buy a refrigerator, and then you know a microwave oven.
2: Wow. And that was it. Right. That was, that was the it. savings. Well, well, during during the uh, Weimar Republic in Germany in the twenties. Uh, before the, their currency crisis happened, you, uh, it took about, uh, I think it was, uh, 16 Reichmarks to buy a pair of shoes. And by the end of it, uh, when the currency crisis was in full full bore, uh, it took about 87 trillion Reichmarks to buy Holy a pair crap. of shoes. Wow. Yeah, I
1: mean, people were going to the store, uh, my mother told me people were going to the store with, with, wheelbarrows. Uh, with wheelbarrows full right. of money. I mean, that's just how, mm-hmm. how worthless this currency yeah. was, and there wasn't anything else with which to buy with. I know that people must have figured things out. They must have traded in cigarettes and liquor and, right. um, you know, all the commodities that seem to, to, to bubble to the surface. When, well, the
0: market will take uh, as much action as it mm-hmm. possibly can, but nonetheless, definitely something to be uh, better prepared for than not. Sam, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Brandon in Japan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello, Brandon. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, hey Brandon. What's on good your Good morning. Mind? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're the morning show over there. That's
5: right. It's 10, 1030 over here. Uh-huh. Hey, I wanted to continue talking about this monetary policy because it's really cool, and I'm really glad that the, the – previous caller brought up the collapse of of the dollar because the story that Wayne's talking about now ties in directly into, you know, another factor as to why the dollar eventually will collapse. And that's, you know, that's because because the United States runs on a fiat currency, the value of that dollar is pinned on the confidence of debtors and consumers that the government will pay that money back, is both willing to pay it and able to pay it.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And so... Um, when you have, when you have huge amounts of debt or when you have, um, think about this in a private company. If you have a private company that, uh, says that they're making so much money and they're spending so much money, but they're really kind of shifting some of their debt away into subsidy companies or into another department. So that sounds like you and Ron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it sounds like they either are posting a profit or they're posting much less of a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is, with a private company, they get sued, they go out of business, and people have to pay restitution.
2: And some people go to uh, jail sometimes. Right.
0: Eventually, right.
1: with a people private company, you're going to have to pay the
0: piper. Right. Exactly. Yes. And with when government, government does
2: it, it's okay. They, they figure out a way to whitewash it, or they pass a law to indemnify themselves from any prior wrongdoing.
3: Or both.
5: Right. To a, cer- to a certain point, because eventually what's going to happen is, and when you brought up a story about this, I think, like last week or two weeks ago, is that our debtors, So that's going to be the Japanese, the Chinese, and a couple other countries that hold a lot of U.S. Treasury bonds are going to see these reports, are going to see this kind of uh, spending behavior, and they're going to start losing confidence in the dollar. And Mm -hmm. because we don't have a currency that's pinned on something like a precious metal or something that is hard, material, tangible, and limited, then the value of our dollar is going to continue to go down, which is why we have... Um, inflation that's also one of
0: the reasons why so now uh, wait a minute when, when you debt. say they're going to lose confidence how does that manifest itself is that like where we heard the i think it was a story last week or so where uh... They, they were talking about how the chinese are moving away from backing their currency with dollars or whatever whatever it is they do with dollars how did that how does that actually happen where they lose confidence
2: well, well actually the chinese are holding a lot of dollars and and treasuries which are denominated in dollars and if, if you're holding a trillion dollars in, in dollar assets and that dollar is losing purchasing power. You're basically getting screwed. You're, you're losing right. money, even though you've got the same trillion dollars. Like we're all getting screwed. Less.
0: Like we're all getting screwed on our bank accounts when inflation happens.
2: Right. Yes.
1: So I mean, essentially, um, the Chinese have a bunch of money. How
0: do they dump it though? How do they? they how do they, they, dump they dump that sell trillion?
1: their dollars for um, whatever it is that they want to pick up? If they want to pick up euros for the dollars, they mm-hmm. say. Okay. Um, if somebody makes it. Somebody's making a deal, essentially. You got a says, trillion dollars. I got a trillion note. dollars. I'll trade you for a trillion euros. The other guy says a trillion euros. Are you out of your mind? I'll give you, I'll give you a, a five hundred billion. And that's how the value drops. And um and well one it, of the ways it, or one it, of the what, indicators. The indicator is is that that people take it. You know if they say five hundred um tr- euros for a trillion dollars. Okay, man, you're killing me, but I gotta yeah, have them. Right. Bam! I mean, the, the dollar just took a huge hit on the national. Um, and,
2: you know, I see. you understand? Yes, and the problem that the Chinese and, and Japan have, too, especially the Chinese because they're not as friendly towards us as, as Japan is, is that they really have to do it kind of covertly because if they just start dumping dollars overtly. On the or, open market? On the open market. Like taking bids? Then everybody, every other country that's holding dollars is going to head for the exit. Like too. a run on a bank, essentially. Yes, exactly. Except like a run in on a, a bank. big
0: way that's really going to harm us.
2: Exactly. Wow. And and the problem in this country is that the state and local governments cannot print money like the federal government can. So their purchasing power is also affected. So property taxes, people wonder why property taxes are going up, or even the the cost of schools, because the cost of the oil to heat the schools, everything goes up. We'll talk a little bit more about
0: property taxes. I want to give Brandon a chance to get in here. Any final thoughts, sir? Sure.
5: Yeah, the other, the other major indicator that, that you need to look for is once other foreign currencies start pinning the value of their currency
0: on another currency. That's what they've so like started the Chinese, to do, right? Yes.
5: Right. So like the Chinese, they pin their value of the yuan on the dollar. As soon as they switch from pinning that value from the dollar to something else, that's when the average American really needs to start paying attention because that means that they're gearing to dump a significant number of that money. Thank you for the expertise, Brandon. We
0: appreciate it. Unfortunately, the average American is going to continue to be in the dark. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show, Wednesday edition, toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's packet8.net for all your voiceover IP needs. 1-800-259-9231, Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the site for your downloaded convenience. Do enjoy them. They're on us. At freetalklive.com. And does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Well, try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any and all of your accounts receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses. That's Support Free Talk Live. We're still sort of uh, focusing on monetary policy, and we started out the hour. uh, And the reason we're doing this is not because it's the most entertaining of all uh, topics. I'm I'm sorry to say it's not. And radio should be about entertainment. But as Brandon pointed out in the last call, and as you will point out uh, constantly, Wayne, this is really important. Like, this is critical information it really understanding is understanding how the money system in the united states works in relation to the rest of the world and how it all is going to affect you and your bank account and your savings and your family and your comfort level and uh, your way of life you know
1: i, I wish that <laughs> i wish it wasn't so boring i wish that you could just uh you know make it very clear that, um, you know, the politicians um, with their and and their banker buddies and the people that are controlling the monetary system and the uh, uh, the financial systems here in America are basically, um, you know, just taking the American people on a huge ride. Yeah, They're true. stealing their money blind. And they've been doing and it. And it's for... not just taxes. It's all kinds of ways.
0: And they've been getting away with it for decades. And as, as was pointed out before, eventually the bill's going to come due and the piper's going to have to be paid and we're all going to pay the price in one way or another and we can minimize the damage that's going to be done, but we're all probably going to take a hit no matter even how well prepared we are. Is that right, Wayne?
2: I mean, I, I agree. I, th- I, think, I think so. I Because think...
0: when everybody else is hurting um, and the economy is hurting all the other Americans who aren't listening to, to mes- messages like this, who aren't aware of what's getting ready to happen, they're going to get caught blindsided. Uh, their savings is going to be destroyed, and that's going to just bring the economy down, whether we like it or not, whether we've prepared or not. Right? It's yes. all going to. It's all going to be
2: affected. Right now, if you have a half million dollars in the bank and you're retired, you can probably live pretty well. If you've got municipal bonds, you can uh, you can earn interest tax free on those and live pretty well. But that five hundred thousand dollars could end up being toilet paper in, in three to five years. <laughs> it really could.
1: Yeah. Um. You know. And. And then if you if you take if you say oh my god I don't want my bonds to be um toilet paper and you buy all gold um you're going to be in in big trouble um you know it could possibly gold could go down I mean it did go down a little bit recently that mean that could mean that it's a good time to buy it because it's going to go back up a little uh-huh. bit it could mean um you know it's going to stagnate and did like it um you know do like it did for such a long time I don't know if I believe that that's what's going to happen I'm I'm not sure It just makes it tough.
0: Good luck predicting the future. You 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 can't can't really predict the future. You have to to diversify. diversify.
2: That's right. Diversify, diversify, diversify. And uh, be prepared for just about any eventuality. And it looks to me, when you look at all this stuff, that they're going at an unsustainable pace. And look at that $100,000 house five years ago, six years ago in 2000. That's now a $300,000 house. And people wonder why their property taxes are going up.
3: Yeah, It's
1: not because your house suddenly became a heck of a lot more valuable, people. Yes, yes, there there
3: was...
2: I mean, if, yeah, right, if you
0: look at the values of uh, of homes in America, now you and I, Mark, we come from, and Wayne, actually, you lived where we come from as well, just by chance, um, we come from Sarasota, Florida, where the, the housing market's pretty crazy. Like, there's a lot of money in that market, there's a lot of retirees coming in there. So the housing values tend to rise at a faster rate, but nonetheless, it's been happening around the country. I remember the house that I bought there was sold, the, the, the last time it was sold, before I bought it, was sold for $75,000, I think that was in 1997, I bought it in 2004. It was $150,000 when I bought it, so it had doubled in perceived value. I'm looking to sell it for, you know, at least $250, 260,000 and, you know, there has been some money put into it and that's why. But I mean, th- that's not
3: all
2: real value. It's all it's a lot of it's just fake, right? Well, that's right. How did it get to that point? Well, what happened was instead of demanding that you have a 20 20% down payment, as long as you had a pulse and you could fog a mirror, you were able to get a mortgage from a bank. That's what's happened in the last six years. Mm-hmm. And so, when you make it uh, that money available to people on that level, you drive the price of everything up. And that's loose monetary policy. That's a perfect example of it. And only one sector of the economy too.
0: And of course, the inflation's another factor as well.
2: Well, that's part of inflation. Is is the create? There's many ways the government can create money nowadays. It isn't just printing money. They can make uh, credit easier. They can do all sorts of things. They can monetize right, the stock market. Banks
0: and lo- uh, lenders are essentially creating money from thin air, too. So it's not just the federal government that's cranking up the printing press. It's the, uh, for instance, when you go into your bank and you ask for that home loan, uh, because of fractional reserve banking, which means the bank only has to have, what, what one-tenth of the actual money that they're, Less that they're that. loaning out? Less than that. Because of fractional reserve banking, the banker essentially, when you get approved for the loan, and as you say, everybody's getting approved, when you get approved for the loan, they tap a few keys on the keyboard and the money just appears like that's right. out of nowhere. So the banks are also creating money, and that's what uh, aggregates into the M3 number, correct?
2: That's that's actually, I think that's an M2 even. Is it? Yeah. Okay, M3 well, the M3 goes into some other stuff, but it's part of M3 as well. That's right. correct.
0: And M3 is the, uh, the ultimate measure, essentially, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, the ultimate measure of in- the inflation of the economy.:
2: Yes, and the money supply and, and the money the, supply and the currency is being debased faster than people's wages are keeping up. and because they also under, uh, understate inflation, people who are on fixed incomes only get a small raise every year, so they're not keeping up uh, their purchasing powers and keeping up with with the debasement of the currency. Not good news. If you've
0: got comments, 800-259-9231. So, wh- um, so why are property taxes going up?
2: Well, the assessed value on, on homes is going up. So that house that was supposedly worth $100,000 six, seven years ago is now being appraised at three hundred or three fifty. And And, of course, they're also spending more money on schools because the, the towns love this stuff. They did for a while anyway because mm-hmm. they were able to jack up taxes with, with property values. And now it's, it's coming home to roost for them because there's a big revolt, I know, here in New Hampshire against property taxes and in many places because... It's not it's, big enough. It's not big <laughs> enough, and it's just gotten crazy.
0: So, essentially, the governments are benefiting, uh,
2: even the local
0: governments are benefiting from the increase, the buoying of the property values. We're all suffering from the inflation of the economy while the government's getting more cash in from property taxes in other places, we're all suffering, as you pointed out. Wages aren't rising equivalent to inflation. So, as you get a, even if you get a raise at the job that you're at, you're still behind the ball as far as inflation is concerned. You're essentially poorer than you were every year, year after year. That's yeah, right. That's true. And, and
2: even if, if you and open so, it up in a bank account, what's the interest rate now in a bank account? It's crap. Yes, yeah, so it's really a, it's a negative real interest rate. It, it's basically uh, some people call bonds now and CDs uh, certificates of confiscation. Mm. Because you're losing money. If you're not making 10% a year, you're losing money now.
0: Right. So everybody is losing money every single year, and we don't even know it. We, as the American people in general, don't even realize it. And when they find themselves behind the ball, maybe when they come to the realization that they're not going to be able to get all their bills paid, what do they do? Whip out the credit card, right?
2: Or they borrow against the so-called increased value of their home, Mm -hmm. a home equity loan. that, That was happening for a long time. And dig themselves even deeper into debt.
0: Because when uh when the calling card is laid down on the table and it's time to pay you know time to pay the piper, if you're if you've remortgaged your home or d- d- essentially gotten into further into debt, you're going to be screwed even worse than everyone else at that point. Because
2: oh, oh yes. You, you're, there's no way in hell you're going to be able to pay it off. And we have another issue too is that we have several sectors of our economy. We, you know we've got the public sector government. They're parasitical. They're growing. Look at all the jobs that have been created by the Homeland Security Act and the TSA and all these new Mm -hmm. agencies that are creating a lot of high-paying jobs. And then you've got the financial sector, which is also growing by leaps and bonds, the bonds, the mortgages, uh, the paper assets. And that sector is is somewhat parasitical, too. And then you've got the real economy, the the real stuff that we're making, like machine tools, products and services. That part of, of the economy is shrinking. So that's a big problem, too, because... People lose their jobs in, in a Ford plant, and where do they go? They go to work for a big-box store. Or the federal government. Or the federal government. And they think it's a great deal because, say,
0: $70,000, I think, is the average federal pay mm-hmm. for a federal employee. And they get all the the, uh, the benefits and the promises of the pension. And, and all the while, they're coming out of the productive economy, one less person producing, one more person beco- uh, becoming a parasite and encouraging the government to grow even larger. This is not good news. More on the way. Fred in uh, Montana coming up in your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site. Are completely free we do ask that you support the show by voluntarily buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com head over to amazon.freetalklive.com to get all of your shopping done you probably got some cash for christmas maybe from grandma or your mom and dad or something like that and uh yeah blow it at amazon.freetalklive.com <laughs> because we'll get a percentage of anything that you purchase and i am being serious in general i mean for even for the uh, the requirements of life they've got a grocery store there now They've got, you know, bathroom, toiletry-style items. You can get virtually anything you need, Amazon.freetalklive.com, and it helps us out as well. So uh, let's go to the phones, to the fun. Fred in Montana, waiting very patiently. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark.
6: Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Fred. Uh, I guess several ways. I guess several things to talk about real fast. Okay. One way of explaining our national debt. Make believe you have a mortgage of $200,000, and you've got 30 years to pay it off. Okay. Are you in debt for $200,000 or just in one year?
1: Wait a minute. Run that by me again. Well, he, he's he's making a good point. Um, I guess I'm in debt for that um, period of time, but that's not a that's not a deficit though. That's a debt.
6: Well, it's debt, but they but they want to say they don't want to say how much we're really in debt. And I'm saying if you have a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage, you're in debt for two hundred thousand dollars, even though you have thirty years to pay it off.
1: Well, you're actually in debt um, far more than that because six hundred thousand. Yeah, right, about six hundred thousand. At the end, at you calculate the interest, right? Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. You pay
2: for the house about three times over on a thirty year mortgage. Right. But the national right. but the national debt is eight
1: point five or something like that uh, trillion dollars. So I mean they are telling us what it is or you know, people thirty seven
6: trillion dollars in debt just on government pensions, federal, state, county, and local. Fourteen trillion dollars in debt on social security and Medicare. Mm-hmm.
1: Thirty
6: seven
0: trillion. House, huh? Thirty-seven trillion dollars. Thirty-seven
6: trillion dollars on government pensions, federal, state, county, and local. Goodness. <laughs>
0: yeah, as it, a matter of fact, promises. So those are promises to pay into the future. I mean, how long? Yes. I mean, how long in the future have you calculated that? I mean, that's because that's by
6: the actuaries. What's that mean? You know, say you retire sixty-five and live to be eighty. That's what the insurance companies use to figure out how long you're going to live. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's called the actuaries.
0: So you're saying for every federal, state, and and local government employee on the books today, we owe that fifty trillion dollars? Thirty-seven trillion. Thirty-seven trillion. But there Who's are counting, other things
2: right? too. There's also that new uh, prescription drug plan that that our so-called uh, conservative president uh, signed into law. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, going to be over a trillion dollars just there alone.
6: Oh well, sure. True. Now, getting back to mortgages or getting back to housing, you know, in 1974, before 1974, when you were to buy a house, they only counted you and your wife, so you have to buy a house. They only counted the husband's salary. In 1974, they passed the law that you must now start taking the husband and wife as breadwinners and calculating a mortgage. Okay, the price of houses between 74 and 80 quadrupled, and they have gone up 50 times probably since 1974. Now, you wonder why houses are are so damn expensive. Now, the interest rates is another thing. We had real low interest rates, and most kids today, when they're getting married, don't care what the house costs. What are my monthly payments? Right. So all the people who owned homes, since interest rates were so low, they all jacked up the prices of their houses – because interest rates were so low, because their monthly payments were so low, but all your cities and towns who were getting all these um, all these property taxes, they were hoping that it goes they'd skyrocket so they could charge us more and more money. Yeah, mm. but right now in the United States, I'll hurry, I'll hurry up, hurry and talk. Right now in the United States, you have more people consuming wealth than you do producing wealth. Fifty-two percent of the workforce works for the government directly or indirectly.
0: No way. Yes. Really. Yep. We've I, passed the we've passed the point of no return as far yep. as uh parasites on the economy? We have. Yep. Holy crap. That's I mean that's huge news. When did that happen?
6: Oh, I did the study I did the study about 10 years ago it was 47% about 10 years ago. Now it's up to 52% or maybe even higher. So uh, wait, so
0: 52% of every person working in America uh is either working directly for the government or has contracts with the government? Right. That's amazing, you know, like, Fred. Say you like,
6: say you're an asphalt company and you're hired to do the asphalting in the town you live. Mm-hmm. Well, indirectly, you're, all your employees are government employees as long as you're doing that asphalting. Yep. The only good thing about it is when they're all done, they all go back to being civilians.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fred, thanks for bringing that to, uh, to, the, to the forefront. That'll Any other thoughts gentlemen. for us? Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Wow. wow. That,
2: that's, that's an important thing, too, is the low interest rates because that brings the payment down, even if the debt is higher. I personally would rather have a one hundred thousand dollar mortgage at eight or nine percent than a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage and at six. five five and a half or yeah. six. Even though, if the payment is the same, there's less debt. Great point. Wow, I, I'm still reeling from that fifty two percent number.
0: I mean, that essentially means that we're losing our productivity at a pretty rapid clip. Yeah. What's it, I mean, how how much more, how many more percentage points can we go until we really start to feel the results of that?
2: Well, we've had in the last uh, 10 or 15 years, especially, we have a lot of companies moving offshore. They're doing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. The government's basically pushing them off. Yes, be- they are, with regulations. And taxes and, and everything. And it's become too much of a pain in the neck to have a business in this country. You know,
1: and, and big labor would love to see, um, it would love to be able to blame the companies for this. Those greedy business owners there. But, you know, you can't. You can't run a business if they just regulate right. the crap out of you and well, force you, is about and force you to pay too much to uh, people and, and, and that kind of thing. If you can't make a profit, you're out of business. Yeah, right. If there isn't a, a profit made, there is no business. And then if there's no business, there's no job. And there's no taxes. And people don't get it.
2: That's right. No, that's the big picture, guys. Is that, and, and you can see why maybe they're, they're, they're wanting uh, people from other countries, young people from other countries, to come in here and start to pay, help us pay some of the future obligations
3: mm-hmm.
2: on one hand. Uh, the, but the, on the other hand, if you look at the demographics, if you look at all the people that are retiring, there's a big blip in our population curve. Uh, they call it the baby boom generation. They're all going to be retiring in the next 10 years or so. And I liked how he pointed out the 37 trillion or
0: whatever it was in uh, in pensions alone.
2: Alone, this yeah. is
0: one of the the features of a government program, of, of a government job that is so attractive to people. It's one of the reasons why people get government jobs is because, well, as long as I sit here at this desk for 20 years, I get to collect a pension for the rest of my life, which yep. essentially... There's...
1: I might be miserable working in this
0: government and, job. And without,
2: and without being educated in the principles of liberty, well, that's a pretty strong incentive to go work for the government. And I can't blame people for wanting to do that because sure. they just don't know. They
0: want to be all... I mean, they, they, they got kids they want to put through college. They're just planning for themselves. They don't see the big picture. And so it's really tasty. The pensions, though, aren't based off of an investment portfolio. They're based off of taxes. They're based off of taking money from the productive sector of the economy. And so these government bureaucrats, not only are they leeching and being parasitical while they're while they're in their jobs in the government, they also get to be parasite after the fact That's when right. they're just sitting around. Which so is the, of course, what they was normally what they do with their jobs anyway.
2: So the question is, how do we turn this around? And it can be done. <sighs> can but- it? It it can be done. I believe it can, except somebody who's in charge, someone in the White House, in Congress, there have to be a critical mass of people who are willing to make tough decisions that aren't popular in in the short run. What would that be? Can you give me an example? Well, they have to change tax policy, obviously. There's a lot of money leaving this country because of tax policy. You'd you'd actually be attracting a lot more uh, money into the banking system if you you cut taxes. Uh, I mean really cut taxes, but also cutting spending as well. That's true, but what about the debt? I mean, that thing
0: is so huge. I mean, even at the $8 trillion level, how do you pay that off? I've heard that if you pay off the debt, then all the dollars disappear in the United States.
2: Well, every dollar that comes into existence is borrowed in our current system. Right. And the problem with the Federal Reserve is that they have a dual mission, which actually contradicts itself. One is that they're supposed to control inflation. The other is that they're supposed to promote economic growth, and those two conflict with one another, whereas the euro, the, the eurozone... Um, over in Europe, their only real, uh, in their central bank, their only real goal is to control inflation. So they're actually, the euro is, is inherently a more stable currency because of that, even though there are some long term problems mm-hmm. uh, with it, with that currency. It's a fiat currency as well. But uh, the fact that the Federal Reserve has conflicting goals is a big problem. And, and they're violating their fiduciary responsibility to protect our currency and protect our buying power.
0: How do you feel like? Uh, how do you feel that alternative currencies will come into play here? Is that another possible solution to this problem? Can we shift away from the Federal Reserve notes and uh, just essentially shovel that debt and forget about it? I mean, can we just move away from that whole system?
2: I don't see how all that debt is going to be paid. I think that eventually the U.S. government's going to have to default on it because it's just too. Uh, think about it. This is the this is the greatest mountain of debt probably in the history of the earth. Right. And and how do you pay that back? What about Harry Brown's suggestion from his uh, presidential
0: campaign of selling off all of the uh, government-owned lands, maybe auctioning off, you know, they own something like two-thirds of the West, uh, maybe auctioning it all off. Almost all of Alaska. Yeah, and taking the proceeds from that and uh, paying down the debt. Is that an option?
2: I don't think you're going to bring in all that, uh, as m- enough money for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. That that would work because the government has seized a lot of those lands. I had a friend in, in California whose dad had a really beautiful ranch in Northern California, and the government took it. They Why? Well, they wanted to make it a wildlife preservation zone <laughs> or something like that. It was a beautiful piece of land. And I... They
0: didn't have enough, Mark.
2: They needed more. That's right.
0: Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and that's why we are going to have such a tough time turning it around. You say we can do it, but not with any of these politicians, not with these Republicans and Democrats, because all they want is more and more and more tax dollars. You're talking about lowering taxes? That's not on the radar of these guys. Hour number three is coming up. You take control of the airways. Victor emails in saying, we're full of S. We'll see what he has to say for himself and your calls as well about virtually anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Wednesday edition. We're kicking off Hour 3. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there totally free, so do enjoy those. They're on us. freetalklive.com. To the email box. An email came in from Victor Titled "You guys are full of s." There's no way we can move. Uh, we can all move to your state, kook. Get over it. And what the hell would do? And what the hell would do that anyway? Bunch of kooks all in one area, easy target for the government. You're insane.
2: <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> calling, he's calling you guys a couple kooks. Well, i have got a big target on my back.
1: Oh God, how do I get to be a kook? I mean debate me on any given point that i believe i mean where do i come up yeah, i think he
0: thinks you're a kook for moving to new hampshire as part of the free state project
1: would he have called the people that uh, fought in the revolutionary war kooks maybe well he would have went before they won yeah right you know but um the fact is if if i don't maybe i'm the canary in the mine yeah maybe maybe i'm a little oversensitive on uh, these liberty issues or maybe i live them every day because i have a talk radio show that's about freedom and liberty but I just don't – I see liberties flittering away. And, you know, if I'm a target for the government, if the government's going to roll tanks in here and mm-hmm. and actually take us all out, which I think is very unlikely that they're going to, A, be able to find us all, and B um, – That's know, why they'll drop a nuclear weapon, Mark. Well, if they do such a thing – Crazy then, kooks. Thank God that – um, you know, they finally did it, and they finally showed the American people what they're willing to do, mm-hmm.
2: you know, in order to keep their power. Well, if they do that, I just hope I have time to rub barbecue sauce all over myself so I smell good.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> As you're being incinerated. Yes. Uh, and by the way, I didn't make fun of Victor's uh, absolutely atrocious uh, sentence structure mm-hmm. and uh, punctuate lack of punctuation and capital- uh, capitalization Uh, Which I
2: could do, but I won't. We won't say anything about government schools, either.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Victor, uh, if you think it's kooky, then you just stay home. It's fine with me. I don't want... You see, you have to understand. I don't want you all to move to New Hampshire. Because we have people listening in our audience that aren't interested in liberty at all. I'm sure there are some, you know happy little federal government agents listening to free talk live for instance maybe some people that just don't quite get the liberty thing quite yet they don't understand liberty they should not move to new hampshire as part of the free state project unless you agree with the statement of intent on the free state project's website at freestateproject.org and that you want to achieve the maximum liberty and the most uh, the largest possible reduction in government that we can that we can achieve in your lifetime Unless you're one of those people, you really shouldn't get up and move anywhere. No, so, no, I don't want you all to move. That'd be way too many people. I only want the best of the best. I only want the people that have realized that uh, that Victor's wrong. He's calling us insane. You're insane for moving all to the same place. You're going to be an easy target. No, Victor. No, no. If you're a liberty advocate... If you're somebody who believes in freedom and wants to see liberty happen again in America, because we're losing it over as time goes on, then you're the one who's insane for not moving to the uh, to the Free State Project to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. It's the definition of insanity. At least one of them is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Now look at the last 35 years, the history of the Libertarian Party in the United States. They've been doing the same thing. Over and over again, election season after election season, running candidates trying their best to get as much media attention as they possibly can, crossing their fingers and hoping that they can actually show up on somebody's radar come election day or election night during the, uh, during the results. And year after year, failure. Minimal percentages. Two percent. Three percent. Four percent. If you get $400,000 behind your campaign and you're in Texas, you can get four percent. 4.5. 4.5 percent. But for the most part, they've been failing. Oh, as you pointed out yesterday, Mark, yeah, we did get some libertarians elected to soil and water commissions here and there. And to be fair, there are a couple of them who are uh, city commissioners and that sort of thing. So there's been a little bit of progress, but... Not what you would hope for after three
2: decades. You also don't count, though, the people who end up running for office in the Republican or or sometimes Democrat Party who are really libertarians, but they know they can't get elected as libertarians.
0: That's true. That's happening actually more here in New Hampshire, I think, than anywhere else. Uh, Because in some places, the Republican bigwigs, we talked about this last year during the election season. There was a woman named uh, Sue running for governor in Minnesota, I believe it was. And or maybe it was Wisconsin, anyway, one or the other, and they shut her down. She went to, uh, to try to run in the Republican primary, and they didn't even want to let this woman debate. Like, the Republican Party, in, at some levels, I think it's a valid thing to do, especially in New Hampshire, because here in New Hampshire, the Republican Liberty Caucus and the Democratic Freedom Caucus, both run by Free State Project members. The Libertarian Party, also run by Free State Project members, so yeah. our people here are being are effective at you know infiltrating and getting up into the ranks. But everywhere else, they're entrenched. The Republicans in name only; these big government Republicans, they're entrenched in the positions of power within the party. So if you, as a libertarian, come in, I had a guy uh, instant message me saying he was going to do this very thing in the state of Indiana today, and I said, good luck, because if it's like uh, if it's like Florida, at least or some other states, Minnesota, when you as a liberty-minded individual show your face at a Republican convention or Democratic convention, and the big wigs say, ooh, we don't want that guy running as a candidate. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't support the war. He doesn't support the Republican Party line on every single issue. They'll shut you down. They won't even let you debate. They won't even let you on to the little pr- uh, primary thing.
2: I think you have to get yourself acquainted with these people well before an election. And- yeah and and become let them see you as a, a fellow republican rather than a libertarian who wants to run as a republican
0: i still think that uh that approach is insane anywhere but new hampshire i think the entire just the the general uh culture of liberty in america is pretty much dead and it's insane to continue the fight where you're currently at so if you want to even have a chance at freedom in your lifetime liberty in your lifetime then the free state project is the only sane choice
2: and we're not going to get to everyone. We, we're not, we don't expect everyone to come to New Hampshire. But at the very least, at least people can hear an alternative view other than the prepackaged uh, two little uh, paradigm marketing paradigms that the two major parties put out in the news media. Yeah. So it just expands people's minds. And the more ideas people are exposed to, the more intelligent and informed they become.
0: Now, we actually have uh, gotten on the air before, and there's a bit of a, a question that we were asking. That was, well, considering the Libertarian Party is just an abject failure in general, Maybe one of the reasons is because the name is confusing to people, and when they see libertarian, they think liberal and they 're not sure what it means, or they don 't want to even bother finding out what would be a better term for the libertarian party, but not just the libertarian party, the libertarian movement overall. that word appears to be detrimental, according to a poll I think that you were talking about mark yeah the, i when you was, ask people what they are when you say, "Well, are your political beliefs?" Uh, Fiscally,
1: it was fiscally conservative and would you consider yourself to be fiscally conservative and socially liberal was that,
0: 69 or 59
1: 59 percent of respondents would um, answer to the affirmative that in fact they were when you said would you consider yourself to be fiscally conservative and socially liberal like a libertarian also known as libertarian also or, yeah something like that um, it drops to 44 percent. That means 15%, well, 15% of people, respondents, but actually 25% of people, of affirmative respondents, mm-hmm. decided um, a little slightly more than 25% well, but the name said scared scared no. Them. Yes. Right, there's something negative about that label.
0: So the question was that we asked, and there's actually a couple answers that have come in via email, is what's a better term? Well, Matt emails in. He says, how about freedomist? It sounds catchy. I'm a freedomist. Ever heard of freedomism? about that one? It's not too bad. It's not too shabby. Scott emails in, are you aware of the word and concept voluntarist? You might want to look into that. I'm actually aware of voluntarist. It didn't even come to my mind. However, what do you think about that one? It's still a little tough to spit out. Voluntarist? Yes. But it's certainly, like free marketeer or like the free market, it's more self-explanatory than libertarianism is. So I think between the two, if I had to pick between voluntarist and libertarian, I, I, I don't know. I think... I think voluntarist would be it, but then again, that would fly in the face of what the Libertarian Party stands for, because even though the Libertarians' pledge is essentially a voluntarist pledge, they don't offer themselves up as voluntarists. They're minimal government people, typically in the Libertarian Party. So I don't know how they would feel about that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself completely voluntar. I like the term, you know. I like the idea that people can voluntarily, um, you know, do things, but you know. That voluntarists.
0: 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. And bring up whatever's on your mind. On the way, another cop shoots another dog. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the Shrine of Female listeners. We've got dozens of ladies who have taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com.
1: Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free save early and often, and how to develop in, uh, passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them a kid's journey to getting rich at kidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. There you go.
0: com. As we go to the phones, to the fun ladies first on Free Talk Live. It's Kathy in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hi, you guys. Hi, Kathy. What's on your mind?
7: I'm calling to talk about my experience in Second Chance Schools, actually uh home to you guys down in Sarasota.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so Second Chance meaning you were a, tr- a problem child allegedly, and they took you out of the yes. regular school and put you in. Uh, oh, I forget what they called it down there. There was uh, what's it, what's the program called? Down there? So the one I
7: went to was Triad North. There's actually several of them in Sarasota, though.
3: Okay,
0: mm-hmm. so what uh, what about it?
7: Well, um,
0: it was it was a really crappy experience. <laughs>
7: I was expelled from school for uh doing something stupid. I got caught smoking pot on campus with some <gasps> friends.
0: You <a> troublemaker.
7: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you laugh well, a lot? I,
7: yeah, I, I actually um it was kind of cool because I was the only one who got in trouble for the amount of drugs that we had. Uh a lot of people wouldn't have been arrested, you know, but um, we were able to play it off. And I went down kind of hard. I got arrested and expelled. And, mm. you know, went to jail and did community service and, and did all the time. I mean, it was just a big deal. Mm. And I was expelled for quite a while. But I went to this place called Triad North. And, um, first of all, they drug test all the students who go there, uh, regardless of the charges or why you were brought there. I mean, you know, a lot of kids were there for just fighting. Some of them were even there for self-defense. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because
0: that's the rule in government school these days. If you get in a fight and you're defending yourself, you get in an equal amount of trouble as the person initiating, which is just asinine.
7: Yeah, zero tolerance is asinine.
0: It is.
2: Mm. That was some of the best parts of my education, was learning how to fight.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, um, they drug tested all the students, but only for THC. (laughs) So if you (laughs) were snorting
0: cocaine on the weekend, no problem.
7: Exactly, and that's that was the problem because most of the students who were put there smoked pot because most of us were only 12, 13, 14. Um, but, consequentially, they all moved to harder drugs. In fact, it created a wow. huge, huge market because not only have you had the, all these kids who couldn't smoke their pot anymore, but they all went to school with these big drug dealers.
3: Oh, so, my goodness. I mean,
7: there was, I, you know, it was a pretty small school. There was maybe 120 of us, tops. And
0: so drug testing, say you're saying so drug testing for marijuana essentially was the gateway to uh, t- doing it, harder drugs.
1: It drove them to it. it huh. Absolutely
0: was. Wow.
7: It absolutely was. I mean, I can say that uh, of the 120 students there, you know, you spent a lot of time in the school. Uh, it's not like we're in your school. Uh, me and one other student did not do drugs.
0: That's amazing. I mean, hmm.
7: it, it, it was it was it was kind of hard to realize because, you know, a lot of these kids I went to school with were 12. And I mean, they were doing hard drugs, and it was just really scary to see. I mean, and they were going crazy too. Uh, anyway, um, were they doing I mean, them at, at school. school? Do you know
0: if they were doing them at school? The drugs? Yeah.
7: Uh, yeah, occasionally, but not not all that often. Mm. I mean, were they um, just bragging about they're, they're, it, or there were a lot of there was a lot of pills going around. There was, mm. I mean, kids were even sniffing markers. Wow. Um, but the the harder drugs are usually for before or after school. So
0: th- so there were deals going on on campus, and you were kind of hanging around these guys and these girls when they were actually doing the drugs.
7: Uh, yeah, I mean you couldn't you couldn't avoid it. Right. I mean I wasn't I didn't really hang out with most of them because I I I, I got to be honest it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. I mean most of these people that I, I was I had to go to school with were just terrible terrible people. I mean mean and thieves and violent i mean i saw i saw a 13 year old kick one of our, our nine month pregnant teacher kick her in the stomach across the room
1: holy crap how
0: yeah. is it that uh how is it that a 13 year old can afford cocaine
7: um i well a lot of them had like older sugar daddies
1: sugar and, so were these all uh, girls were, is that what you're saying no okay no. Sugar no, Daddy but, just has I mean, the uh, the connotation to me that there's uh, sex is, or something that's going on.
7: Yeah, there, there definitely was a lot of that. Um, there's also, I mean, in, in order to support a heavier drug habit, especially when you're a kid like that, really the only way to do it is to start dealing them.
0: Okay, that's kind of what I was guessing then at that point. Right. Unless you're going to prostitute yourself, you pretty much have to sell drugs. So
7: Exactly. There's a whole bunch of all that going on. <laughs>
0: So, but, but how, I mean, how? Still, does a 13-year-old turn around and sell drugs to a 20-year-old, or are they pretty much dealing to other 13-year-olds? How's that um, work?
7: I would say that the age didn't so much matter. It was, it was all around. I mean, we got a
0: mm-hmm. when you've got a
7: community like that, and drugs like cocaine and oxycodone and ecstasy were probably the favorites of the school. Gotcha. Um, it doesn't really matter. People who are on that, uh, I don't think, really even see age or see cases. All right, so Kathy, where
0: were you going with all this? Besides just telling well, us about how d- how bad your experience was,
7: I want <laughs> to well, I want to go in go in uh, deeper um, to that actually. Okay. That we we were all put on a point system. You're um, muffled just a little
0: bit. I don't know if it's your phone or your positioning there. Could you try one more time on that?
7: Yeah, it's actually my phone. Uh, the screener was telling me I was having some troubles with it, but
0: okay. Sounds good We were now. all
7: put on a point system. Every day we were graded, and we would get a certain amount of points every hour from our teacher. And what was bad about it is I quickly learned this um, that if you, if you disagreed in any way or had an independent thought, you would actually be uh, deducted for points. Mm. Um, and the problem is that the entire thing is based off this point system to where you have to move up to a certain level to graduate the school to get out of it.
0: Really? So if you don't have enough points, you can't graduate?
7: yeah
1: does that mean like graduate high school or does that mean graduate out of the program
2: and into a regular school again?
7: uh it depends on where where you're at in high school
2: I see what were some of the points that you disagreed with them on?
7: Oh well, I mean, I really disagreed on the drug policy, but it was like it, it wasn't even that it was that if you if you were anything but their you know in line quiet and accepting everything you right. were you were in trouble i remember i remember getting in trouble for weeks and literally put me back 3 weeks in the school because i was walking out a single file
0: wow so really it's total obedience training is essentially what it is totally it
7: was it was and i mean that's wow. why most of them get stuck there for so long because they just can't deal with it that's and i stunning. understand i mean i was i was on my the best behavior of my life and it took me forever to get out of that place
0: and looking back on it, did uh, do you feel like you benefited from it somehow?
7: Um, I guess I learned more about the uh, meaner, more um, more violent aspect of life.
3: Mm. Or government, uh, I guess. I could
7: say I that way, and you know, I, I I learned a little bit more street smarts. Um, but the education was terrible. It was, it was a lot of brainwashing. Wow. But, no, I, I can't say it was a good experience at all. It was, it was terrible. Um, I'm glad that, you, I'm glad was...
0: you got out of it in one piece. The reason I asked that question is because a lot of people that have been through this sort of regimented training, like in the military, they always, uh, some of them get out, some of them get out and hate it. And uh, Kathy, thank you for the call. We really appreciate it. I hope you'll uh, consider sending us a picture for our shrine of female listeners at freetalklive.com. But some of them get out and they hate the experience, and then a, a bunch of them get out and they feel like. Man, that was so great for me. Everybody should go through this. We need to draft people into national service and so they can all be forced to be in this regimented system as though what was good for them is somehow going to be good for every other individual out there. More's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp dot freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. They're completely free. And that does include the bulletin board system. Over 140,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. Lots of fun stuff to talk about there. Serious issues there as well. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs freetalklive.com and free talk Live is brought to you by the free State project's first 1000 pledge are you just going to talk about freedom or are you going to start living it now learn how the first 1000 pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org that's freestateproject.org time is running short on the first 1000 pledge the pledge window ends as of sun is it Sunday night yeah Sunday night I believe is the last day of the year yeah December 31st. And I believe it ends in uh, Greenwich time, so you don't have till midnight on Sunday night. Really? You've got till like seven o'clock in the evening on Sunday night uh, to get signed up for the first one thousand pledge. I know We're over eight hundred signers at this point. Uh, I don't know the exact number, Mark. I think you probably did sometimes. I think it's, some uh, they,
1: they need 155 more. I believe is what the uh, number is. So um, last time I looked, it was uh, 844.
0: It's doable. It it's is. possible with you. At freestateproject.org, let's go to the Free State and talk to Dennis in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Hello, Dennis.
8: Evening, guys. Hey,
2: there. Hey, hey Dennis.
8: So on this whole issue of words that have bad connotations and that need a new name, for example, libertarian Mm -hmm. and atheist.
0: Ooh, atheist. Okay.
8: So it turns out there is a whole web movement, as it were, to get a different name adopted for people who would otherwise be called atheists.
0: Uh, this is news to me. What uh, what is the word?
8: Brights. Hmm. Isn't
3: that a little the condescending? The idea is that it would
8: be used a little bit like. The idea is to have a word that you know is is nice and and people like. And the idea is to use it a little bit like gay, because there was a time 25 years ago when gay meant happy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
8: So you would come out and say, Oh, I'm a bright.
1: A bright b r i. It does bright. sound a B-R-I-C-H-T. little fruity. B
0: r i h t. Uh, now that sounds a little fruity. Yeah, now, well,
1: forgive me, I I can't spell crap anyway.
0: Uh, so but <laughs> but now don't you think that's a little condescending? Well, like, that that
8: has been one of the main complaints about it. Is bright sounds like oh you're dim if you're not bright. Sure.
1: Well, but gay would but gay would sound like um you're uh you're you're unhappy if you're not gay. That's true. So I don't know if that I don't think that that. Counts. But wait, did the now, gay
0: but... movement adopt the term gay themselves, or did somebody else oh, yeah, adopt it? Oh, yeah, it was the conscientious. Term? There's a little
8: history about it, actually, on the Bright's website, okay. they, like in their fact, and it's the the-bright's.net, the-brights.net, and it was started off by two pretty famous guys, scientists. Hmm. Uh, one is Richard Dawkins, who's kind of famous for writing a book, The Blind Watchmaker.
0: Yeah, Richard Dawkins also made a movie, I don't remember what it was called, it was a documentary where he actually interviewed that Ted Haggard guy from the Evangelical Church, you know, the one that was uh, outed for being a gay and a meth smoker.
8: Oh, that would be hilarious. i got to find that. Yeah. The uh, other guy who kind of started this off was Daniel Dennett, and he is pretty famous for also coining the term meme.
0: What is it? Meme,
8: as in like, you know, groups of thoughts that replicate like viruses. M-E-M-E,
0: meme. meme. Yeah. Okay. So what's their position on this? Like, what's their argument for why bright is a good uh, alternative term for uh, – or replacement term for atheist?
8: Well, the, the vision off their webpage is persons who have a naturalistic worldview should not be culturally stifled or civically marginalized due to society's extensive supernaturalism. Rather, they ought to be accepted as fellow citizens and full participants in the cultural and political landscape. Sounds like it's up your alley.
0: Now um – um. That didn't really make an argument as to why bright is such a good word, like why they chose that.
8: Oh, their their bulletin board system is full of people arguing over that.
0: Yeah. Mark, you have
1: a question? How long has this bright bright word been around, Dennis? How long has this bright word been around?
8: It's a couple years. Actually, I I heard about the brights about the same time I heard about the Free State Project, like – it, those two things became big at about the same time. Brights is kind of more of a European phenomenon, from what I can tell. But okay. you know, it's just a web thing. So there you go. Hmm.
0: So are so, yeah. you uh, are you interested in this uh, in adopting this term for yourself?
8: No, it sounds stupid, really, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm a bright. I think it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> I, I guess you know. I mean, but having said, I you know, comparing it to the term gay, it obviously, you know, worked in that particular circumstance. I don't like it. I think Maybe it's...
8: the libertarians should call themselves brights.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it's kind of uh, smarmy, a little condescending. And, uh, you know, if somebody, I don't know, atheists, as far as being an atheist is concerned, we're not trying, at least I as an atheist, I'm not trying to convert others to atheism. I don't care what your religion is. So I don't care how you feel about my lack thereof. So I'm not so it really. It does
8: scare me a little bit if people are out there who really think I don't know things that are kind of supernatural. It's, it's a little bit of concern.
0: What? Do you, what? I... You're concerned that there are religious people? Is that what you're saying?
8: Well, that, that they might act, you know, unreasonably because they have unreasonable beliefs.
0: Well, they're certainly Somewhat acting unreasonably. They're uh, they're initiating wars of aggression around the world. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, organized religion and uh, religious. Uh, a mantra has actually led to more violence and and more death in our time certainly but i don't think that that means that i'm going to go around trying to convert them to atheism i think that's a waste of time
1: and especially oh, yeah. the people just overwork the people that uh um the people that that do the most unreasonable things because of their un, unreasonable religion mm-hmm. um are the least likely to be converted to um atheism or a even a that's more true. docile um you know religious belief well said dennis any final thoughts that's
0: that. Thanks, as always, sir. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Georgia and Rob. Hello, Rob. I'm Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, you're on the Amplifier line. What's on your mind?
9: Well, I'd like to say that I definitely agree with Wayne when it comes to the national debt. That's never going to get paid. I think anybody who's looking at it should be able to easily tell that. I mean, there's two things that basically make people pay back a debt the first and most important thing is their own personal integrity. And we're, dealing, we're dealing with government, so I mean, I think that's pretty much out of the question.
0: Right, and then there's the guy threatening to break your kneecaps.
9: Exactly, and then we're dealing with the government, which has the biggest, has the most guns in the world and isn't afraid to use them.
0: Right, and nobody's going to be able to break their kneecaps. I mean, there's nobody bigger than them, and uh, they don't even have kneecaps. It's a government, it's a concept.
9: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it's like, it'll, it'll the, the national debt won't be paid there will be some sort of spin put on it so that the US government won't look as bad as it really is. You know, and then of course, you know, the economists and stuff will tell the real story like they do now and nobody will listen. Um, all the conservative pundits and liberal ones as well will spin it in this real flowery sort of language and make it sound like uh you know, because the U.S. has been doing all this stuff for the world and whatever that the world basically owes. it there's something along that line. Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, they'll end up kind of washing stuff out. But there's no way in the world that this much debt would ever be paid.
2: There was an article a few weeks ago about if you took uh, $1 trillion bills and stacked them up and counted them one per second, it would take you like, th- I think it was 36,000 years <laughs> to uh, to count them all. Wow. <clears throat> That's Yeah, tremendous. I mean, when you
9: start dealing with absurd numbers, People never think about. I mean, it becomes almost incomprehensible. I think Stalin said that you know, like one death is a tragedy, but a, a million deaths is, is
2: a, a statistic? statistic or something like right.
9: that. So I mean, yeah. Once you start getting into huge numbers like that, it it loses all meaning. I yeah. mean, it no longer it, it no longer is real. I mean, it's real if I drop a hundred dollars. Out of my wallet, but, but you
1: know, you know the thing. The thing dollars, though, though is, Robert, you can't make those numbers real. They're so big, you can't make them real. If you use Wayne's analogy with hundred dollar bills, it would still take you three hundred and sixty years in <laughs> order to count um, the national <laughs> debt. Hundred dollar bills. This is the biggest denomination we have. You know, if you take, if you, if you take, um, you know, some um imaginary thousand dollar bearer bonds, it's still going to take you thirty six years to count this. This is thousand dollar. They don't even make denominations. This
0: right. Well, large. you could tell that to an to the average American. You know, the average uh, Joe millionaire watching uh, American Idol, consuming style American. You could give them that little trillion dollar a- uh, analogy, and they'll go. Wow. Okay. You know, they don't understand the relevance. Even if you can make that point to them, they don't know what it means. They don't understand the consequences. And so, I mean, you're talking about a whole re-education campaign just to get Americans to understand what we're dealing with. Robert, any other thoughts? No, nah, that's all I have. Thanks, dude. We appreciate hearing from you, sir. 800-259-9231. I don't know, man. I don't know if we're even going to have the opportunity to turn this financial train around
2: before it wrecks. Doesn't seem like it. Well, they're going to have to uh, probably forgive a lot of this and, and maybe default on some of the uh, obligations. 800 259
0: is the toll-free number. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne and and Mark. Oh, you're here too. Yeah, I'm here.
1: Look, geez,
0: 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free. We ask, though, that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. For as little as 3 bucks a month, head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what it's all about. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote, and the idea is simple. You send in $3 a month, we turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live, getting the show on more radio stations, getting more internet listeners on board, and it's working. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what that's all about and learn about the perks that you'll get access to, like the amplifier-only call-in lines, like our last two calls just came in on the amplifier lines from uh, from Rob and Dennis. So amp.freetalklive.com. All right, we're gonna t- do a TSA hell story. I believe that's what you have, Mark. A TSA hell story for us?
1: I do. Um, it's uh, it, it's just a, it's from Will Wheaton's uh, blog, and it's, he's the Star Trek guy. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. I I didn't know that um, w- Will Wheaton was the Star Trek guy. I'm not much of a uh, a, you know. Uh, Geek. Yeah, I don't know. I like Star Trek, but I just don't know anything yeah, about. Yeah, I think you actors. like Star Trek more than I. Do. I'm not really a Trek person at all, and I knew that. I just don't remember people actors' names. Yeah. So what? They're people doing a job. Big deal. I mean, I just, I just don't get it. Anyway, it's called uh, more stupid security theater BS. This is interspersed with the uh, expletives that we can't use on the radio. Okay. So I'll try to uh, um, censor those out as I can. I don't mind trading a little inconvenience for real security and real safety. But the security theater that's been shoved down our throats over the last few years, typically by politicians who want to appear tough or who are uh, too too afraid to appear soft or stupid, um, expensive, ineffective, and did I mention stupid? I ran into this idiotic BS when I flew in um, up to the San Francisco up to San Francisco last week. When my deadly, deadly toothpaste was taken away from me because it was way bigger than the three ounces our government protectors arbitrarily designated as safe. <laughs> yeah. For those of you scoring at home, way bigger was .2 ounces. Oh It was my. 3.2 ounces, right? I didn't mention that my relatively zero tolerance. My, I didn't really, um, didn't mention that my relatively expensive to its size crew hair hair goop was also taken away from me because it was 3.4 ounces. When I opened it up and showed them that that it was uh, less than uh, half full and therefore under under the deadly three-ounce threshold, well, we don't know what's really in there, the TSA lady said. I said, it's about an ounce of hair goop. Would you like me to put it in my hair? Sorry, sir. She said in that voice that indicated that she was anything but as she threw it into the trash. Apparently, um, simple logic and math is lost on these people. Condescending with us or against us lectures about how it's um, perfectly reasonable to take off your shoes, submit to body scans, endure humiliating searches, and turn turn in our effing toothpaste so we don't have another 9-11 is well within their grasp. Because, you know, there's so much toothpaste involved in that horrific tragedy. Clearly, because I'm annoyed at the policy, I make it clear that I am unhappy with the policy, and even said, I understand that you're doing your job, but I want to complain about this policy to someone. Just to belabor the point, I love terrorists who go to sleep every night hoping that our nation endures yet another catastrophic attack. Um, I swear to God, if if I hear one more effing person tell me that I have to take off my shoes or give up more privacy or fall on my knees and worship George Bush so we don't have another 9-11, I'm going to put three ounces of my foot right into their butt. <laughs> Stop treating us like children. Why am I so PO'd today? It's because... It turns out that the whole reason we have to endure this stupid war on moisture—we can't even stand up to basic scrutiny. Um, war on moisture can't even stand up to basic scrutiny in court. Um, Boing Boing says charges dropped in the liquid terror plane plot. A judge in Pakistan has decided there's not enough evidence to try the main main suspect in a purported terror plot to blow up airplanes with liquids. The one in London. It uh, came out. It of London. said Pakistan though. Um, this this they had people all over, wasn't it? This um, alleged international conspiracy is, yeah, it's international, um, is the uh, reason you now have to carry less than three ounce bottles of mouthwash shampoo in clear Ziploc bags when you fly. Oh, really? You mean even though chemists said that the deadly toothpaste plot wouldn't work, the DHS ignored them and went ahead with a bunch of um, BS propaganda that had nothing to do with the election, I'm sure, and the TSA security theater? Wow, what a shock. I hope someone increases the DHS budget so they can spend yet another $81,000 of taxpayer money on plaques and some stupid BS awards ceremony.
0: You can believe that their budget will increase.
1: He's right about that. I won't hold my breath, but I hope that in the light of this discovery, the TSA will cut and run from the outrageously stupid war on moisture. And politicians will stop trying to make us afraid of our own effing shadows so we can run to mommy Congress and daddy president to protect us.
0: Yeah, well, that's not about uh, that's not about to happen. The TSA isn't going to give up on their rules. They lightened up a little bit, uh, but I don't I don't see them giving up on this. They love the power. They love being able to tell you what to do. They don't want to lessen their power over you. I mean, what would happen, Mark, if they actually lessened the rules and we discovered that somebody smuggled in something inside their toothpaste container? I, uh, maybe a
1: nail file or something like that. I don't... I, look, a nail file isn't going to do it either. And, you know, the only problem with smuggling in a, a terrorist smuggling in a gun is that you're not letting the other passengers have them. Yeah. I mean, what good is it going to do for them to smuggle in a gun if the other passengers have guns? It seems like, I mean, that's the whole idea of the Second Amendment. Seems like Will's pretty frustrated. Yeah. Is that it? Was that all? Th- that's, to say? That, that's 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 um, this this today's uh, blog. Yeah. So he's
0: tired of the uh, the Republicans and Democrats using this as a, as a political football and a and a tool to increase their power. And, and I know a lot of other Americans are tired of it too. I just think that they don't understand that there's another choice. They don't understand that there is a, a libertarian movement out there that agrees with them, that wants to make it easy to go through the airport again. Because the Republicans and Democrats are busy arguing over who can do security the best. We're the best at security. No, we're the best. Elect us. We'll really crack down on those terrorists. And that's what they think the American people want. And maybe they do. Maybe Will and, uh, and us here on Free Talk Live and you listeners out there, maybe we're in the minority. Maybe most of Americans really feel good when they see those TSA agents. Maybe most Americans are really just absolutely pleased with the jobs that they're doing.
2: After 9-11 happened, they had proposed arming pilots and reinforcing the doors so nobody could get into the cockpit Mm -hmm. during flight. That alone would have helped. And not only that, but now anybody on a plane is a little bit hypervigilant over anybody messing around uh, trying trying to do something. And you remember after 9-11 happened, that guy Richard Reed had the bomb in his shoe, and the passengers actually stopped him from igniting it.
0: There's another guy who was boxing around the cabin doing shadow boxing, and uh, they tackled him and just... Beat them up. And,
1: you know, there's been a few drunk people so far that they've killed. I mean, passengers have accidentally killed them, um, you know, in subduing them. Because passengers aren't going to put up with it.
0: Speaking of accidents, in Raleigh, a Raleigh family is very upset because a Raleigh police officer shot a family dog on their front porch. Where the family says the dog was leashed. Now, actually, this isn't really an accident. We'll get into the story. The good news is that the dog an 11-year-old chocolate lab named Truman, very pretty dog, is at home recovering. Meredith Phillips, who owns Truman, says it all started on Christmas at her parents' house when she leaned down to kiss her parents' dog. I thought she was awake and she was asleep, and when she woke up, she nicked me on the cheek. Said uh, Meredith, she needed.
1: And three she's st- eleven, and a big dog like a chocolate lab. When it's eleven, that's really old. Right. For a big dog like that.
0: Phillips needed three stitches at Rex Hospital to close the wound, and officials there required a report about the dog uh, about the dog bite before she could leave. So the hospital reported the incident to city police, as WRL.com reports. An Officer R.A. Smith went to the house on Edgemont Drive shortly thereafter. Quote, I was in the den watching a movie with my son-in-law, and we heard a pop on the front porch, said Phillips's father, David Faircloth. He said, yes, I shot your dog. And she said, why? And he said, he came after me. I said, he couldn't come after you. He's on a leash. Truman survived with only a ruptured eardrum after the bullet passed through the side of his head. Wow!
2: You he tried what, to shoot the dog in the head. You know what's really interesting is if you were to shoot a police dog, you could be charged with actually uh, murder. Right?
1: Well, uh, basically no, it's,
2: assaulting it's, a police officer.
1: It doesn't quite work that way, at least not in the um, in Florida. I don't know about every uh, state in the union, and in Florida, there's a third degree felony called shooting, you know, killing a, a police dog or horse. Well, in this case, uh,
0: Truman's did survive. Uh, my sister equates his temperament to a bunny rabbit, says Phillips while stroking Truman. We know Truman could never be a, a guard dog. I mean, he's a sweet little black,
1: uh, chocolate lab. Labrador, Labrador's aren't very good. Watchdog.
0: A statement released Wednesday said the matter is being treated seriously and is a high priority. Every time a Raleigh Police Department officer charges, uh, discharges his or her weapon, a thorough investigation of the incident is conducted. That is true in this case, and the department is expediting the review of the circumstances surrounding the incident that occurred on December 25th. I'm surprised they didn't just say no comment. That's typically what you get from them. This is sort of like the long bureaucratese, uh, legalese version of no comment. When all of the details have been completely investigated, additional information will be made available. The this matter is being treated seriously, and the review of it is being given in a high priority. The family saved the bullet and the collar that it blew off. They say their vet bills are already over $2,000. Good Lord. And they're considering what to do next. So do you think... Sue them! Yeah. Do you think the, uh, they're going to get some cash out of the cops? Um, Not very likely. No. There have been cops who've shot the heads off of dogs before, and all they've gotten was a transfer to another department. And the family got nothing. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Protect your dogs from the cops.